right, all right, all right. We're back on now. So this is uh, Holy Week. Holy Week um, began with a parade, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. A uh, lot of commotion, a lot of, lot of almost a, a crowd scene of riot. It was a, it was a joyful crazy, loud, chaotic moment as Jesus came into Jerusalem. And it went from there to Jesus cleansing the temple, another act of commotion, a lot of noise, a lot of things happening. But by Wednesday, it started getting quiet. And where I want us to pick up today is Wednesday. And that is, uh, it's going to require something of you this morning. What I'm going to ask you to do today is listen, not to a sermon, but to listen for God in the silence. Now, we're not going to just sit in silence for 30 minutes, but there are going to be moments where you're going to be asked and, you know, my prayer today was just, Lord, just draw us, draw us close to you in this. You know, the book of James says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And my prayer is that we can draw near to God in this time. And then sense his presence drawing near to us. That is what we're planning to do today. But this is, again, your opportunity to... Open your hearts, and we're going to begin to prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Table by just taking a moment. And, you know, the, the Lord's Supper was not ever intended for perfect people. In fact, it was very intentionally planned for imperfect people. I have Bible on that. The first 12 disciples who took the Lord's Supper were anything but perfect. Uh, they were anything but sinless. They were anything but pure. And yet, those were the 12 the Lord chose to serve the meal for their, the very first time. So today, don't let your sin keep you from this table. Don't let the fact that you have sin do that. But the Bible also tells us that we need to examine ourselves as we come into this moment. The concern is not, have you sinned? Well, we all have. I mean, come on. Let's just go through the week. We all have sinned. The question is, what's your attitude toward that right now? Are you hiding it? Are you denying it? Are you arguing with the Holy Spirit who's touching your heart about this and saying, you know, you need to deal with that. You need to bring that to me. You need to allow me to take that from you. Maybe the sins that we've committed are things that, well, they're not so offensive to people around us, but maybe you've hurt people around you, things you've said, things you haven't said. So I don't know. I don't know where this has gone for you this week, but I'd like for you to take a moment, and you can bow your heads. You can sit with your eyes open and just look. That's fine. It doesn't really matter how you choose to do that. 
But what matters is that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this moment. So I'm going to ask us to just take a moment of silence. Just, just bow your heads and as you think through, not to condemn yourself, not to convict yourself, but just if there's something the Lord's saying to you about this. psalmist said, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. And so search our hearts, Father. Search our lives, and may we be open to your Spirit's piercing eyes, looking into the deepest places, the hidden corners and closets in our hearts and our lives, where we think we have hidden away things that nobody else sees, but you see, and cleanse us of these things, Lord, purify us make our hearts prepared and ready to come into your presence in this time of worship, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. In John chapter 13, we read of the disciples coming together, and again, this was on Wednesday of Holy Week. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments by taking a towel and tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. 
Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me Lord and teacher, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. The meal, the Lord's Supper, as we call it, uh, has been portrayed in classic paintings and literature for years as a long table with the 12 disciples and Jesus facing the camera. That was not at all how it was. The Lord's Supper actually took place and would have taken place with a small wooden table a few inches off the floor. The men gathered for the meal typically would have leaned in onto the table with their elbow on the table, their feet sticking out. Now that was a problem because feet in that day were usually covered by sandals, if they even had sandals. Feet were filthy. Uh, having just been in Africa, we went to a marketplace a couple of occasions where animals just kind of walk around wherever they want to, oxen and goats and donkeys and camels. And people walk around too. Those were some dirty feet. We could imagine what that might have looked like. In that room that night, 12 men, 24 feet, unwashed, Typically, in that time, a, a servant boy would have run out into the room, and with a basin and a towel, he would have washed all the feet of these men. But no servant boy came out. And so the disciples looked at each other. They had just been arguing over who's the greatest disciple. Who's the most humble? And none of them was about to get up and wash the other's feet. Now, they might have said, hey, I, you know, I'll wash his feet, but I ain't going to wash his feet. And so they stared each other down, nobody moving. And then the Bible says Jesus got up took off his outer garment wrapped a towel about him and he took water and he went man to man 
kneeling down with his hands and feet to wash their feet. He came to Peter, the Bible tells us, and Peter said, oh, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any, anything to do with me. Peter said, then give me a bath. Wash my hand, wash everything. Now, here's what I find interesting about this passage. It's told us already in verse 2 that Satan had entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot, moving him to betray Jesus. Jesus do that. But Judas got his feet washed too. Now think about that. You know, moms, dads, you'll wash the feet of your children, kids that you love, you're responsible for, and kids can get their feet really dirty. You'll wash their feet. Why? Because they're dirty. Because you love them. You may find yourself on occasion having to kneel down and wash the feet of somebody that you're taking care of. Maybe you're a worker in the hospital or a caregiver at home. And you'll wash the feet of people you love. What about those who you know are just about to stab you in the back? You see, this is, this is what draws the line between being a nice person and being a servant. A nice person is always going to do what's required what's polite, what's expected. A servant is going to lay down their lives even for people who don't love them. And that was exactly what Jesus was about to do on Good Friday. Lay down his life people who didn't love him. Let's never think that Jesus hung on the cross and thought, oh, these people love me so much and I love them so much. This is, I don't even feel the nails. He felt the nails. You know what else he felt? He felt the hatred. Love's not about what you feel. It's not about feeling good. It's about serving. And so the Holy Week is defined on one end 
by a basin of service. But there were two basins in the story of Holy Week. You see, on Friday, Jesus was brought before Pilate, Governor Pilate. This was probably the highest ranking official that Jesus really had a conversation with. And we have an extended conversation in John chapter 18, which is very interesting. But I want to read Matthew chapter 27 and the version there, which begins, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor, representing Rome, the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, Well, you said so. Wow. You said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge. So that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? Now history tells us that the terrorist Barabbas was also named Jesus. So in essence, Pilate was asking, who do you, which Jesus do you want? You want Jesus the terrorist? Who's randomly taken lives and killed people? Or Jesus the Christ? Which Jesus? would you like for me to release to you? For he knew it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife had sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. So Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. So the last moments and hours of Holy Week are marked by another basin. This one, the basin of 
or we might call it the basin of denial. Here's a politician, here's a man in power who had the authority to release Jesus, but was too afraid of his political polls and his political standing to do what he knew was right which has released this man that I find no guilty and I find nothing wrong with him. I find no fault in him. And finally, in frustration, he ordered a bowl to be brought. And he took water. And he washed his hands. He said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. You know what you don't get to do? You don't get to get Jesus off your hands. Pilate thought by a simple act, a ritual act, a public act of going, I don't want anything to do with him. That that meant he could walk away guiltless. Free. And he didn't know that with that act, he sealed his own eternity. See, when you deny Jesus, you deny the only way that you will ever be saved. It's interesting to me, I, people, when I talk to them now, and this is a new thing, really. When I talk to people now about Jesus and about salvation, one of the most common things I hear now from people is, listen, okay, I believe in Jesus, but do I have to believe that he is the only way to be saved? I said, well, if you don't believe that, number one, you made him to be a liar because he said he was the only way. So you have a problem if you're going to believe in Jesus but then deny what he says. No, I, I don't want anything to do with it. I've had people just say, well, then I, I'm not going to follow such a narrow-minded religious figure. <laughs> Listen, if Jesus is not the only way of salvation, then let me help you out. He is no way of salvation. If he's not the only way of salvation... He is no way of salvation. If he is Savior, he's the only Savior. There's not another way. There's not another religion. There's not another system of moral good deeds that you can do. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but by him. These basins frame Holy Week, a basin of service, a basin of denial. One of them defines your life today. One of those debasins define you. We're going to come to the table now for this moment of communion together and the Lord's Supper.
Jesus brought the disciples into this room and after the drama around the foot washing, the Bible tells us he took bread, he took a cup. But let's understand something, and, and let me go ahead and get you to go ahead and pull the film off the very top, the very thin film that covers the piece of bread, and then underneath the foil that uncovers the juice. Please be careful with that. It's easy to spill that on yourself, and we don't want you to do that. Isaiah 53, verse 3 says that he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was despised and rejected by men. You know, we... Uh, We think sometimes that because of our pictures and our depictions and artwork and illustrations in books, whatnot, that <clears throat> the Calvary, that the crucifixion happened way off in the distance on a hillside, on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, as the old hymn used to say. And that is not true. The cross of Jesus Christ stood at a crossroad. It was intentionally there. The Roman government made sure that you had to walk by it. You had to look. You had to see. And so as Jesus and the two thieves who were crucified with him hung there, they hung for anyone to see. Now, everybody didn't look. Everybody that had to pass that way. And if you wanted to go anywhere in Jerusalem, you had to pass through there. Some would look, mock, spit, curse. Some would hide their eyes. Your children with you? Oh, cover their eyes. Don't let them see this. You know what the prophet Isaiah said? He was this one from whom we would hide our eyes. He was one from whom we would hide our eyes. And that's exactly what people did. But Jesus died. In that moment, he was, you know, the Bible tells us, and I love this, this picture. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrows 
who understood your grief and your tears. The book of Hebrews says, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but one who is in every point like us, yet without sin. Wow. Jesus gets you. Jesus gets the families whose children and friends were slaughtered this week in Nashville. He gets it. Jesus understands the families trying to pick up their lives from the tornadoes and Mississippi and Arkansas and he gets it. He doesn't just look at like we do and go, oh, that's awful. He feels it. He also feels how you feel when you fail, when you mess up. when you have stumbled for the umpteenth time and then you just did it again. He feels that with you. And he bore that for you on the cross. So Jesus, the Bible tells us that night, took bread, unleavened bread. It's called the bread of affliction what the Jews would eat at Passover to remind them of their exodus from Egypt. They had to leave so quickly they didn't have time to let the dough rise and the yeast rise in the, in the bread. They just baked it and ran. That's what it looks like. And that's what they used to celebrate and remember that night that the Lord delivered them. Well, Jesus was about to do a whole lot more than that. But he said, this bread represents my body. My body is about to be afflicted. My body, which is sinless, is about to become a sacrifice for you. So we're told he took the bread and blessed it, and then he broke it. You please take your bread in your hand for just a moment and let me pray for us over it. Father, as we share this bread now, remembering what the first disciples experienced, we stand in, in, in unity with them, with all Christians around the world, Lord, who share this meal, believing that Jesus Christ is their Savior their deliverer, their redeemer. And Lord, as we share this meal now, as we share this bread, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, the death that he endured, the perfect life that he lived, the servant that he was. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. This bread, Jesus said, is for you.
there was also a cup taken. This cup, the Bible said, is the new covenant, Jesus said, in my blood. But the Bible goes on to say this. It says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. You know, whenever we drink juice or something like this, it's a reminder. Something was crushed to make it. The word is just this, the same thing you would do with a bunch of grapes, placing it in your hand and squeezing What God did to Jesus, what happened to Jesus on the cross, the will of God, it was God's will to do this. It was the will of God, the Bible very specifically says, to crush him. To crush him. And we remember what he endured. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter, and a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him and to put him to grief. You know why? So he wouldn't have to do it to you. so he wouldn't have to do it to us. This is the deliverance that we know. And as we share this cup, we agree that this cup represents the blood of Jesus, which is the only way that our sins could be cleansed. Will you please take this cup? What can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so as you leave today and as you enter into your celebration this week of Holy Week, I ask you again to think about which basin represents you right now. Where do you stand with the Lord? Have you trusted him and his sacrifice on your behalf? And today, if you have never said this sacrifice, this death of Jesus is for me. It's not just history. It's not just back there. It's not just a religious symbol. It is for me personally. It has the power to bring me forgiveness today. And if you don't know that, please come and let us talk to you about what that means. Maybe today you need to come to pray. Maybe you just need to come to the altar to pray. Not with anybody, just, just you and the Lord. Or if we can pray with you, we have some folks ready to do that too. But let's stand together. And Lord, have your way in us as we come to this moment of commitment to you. And as we prepare our hearts, Lord, just uh, for the week to come, reminding us again of the death of Jesus Christ, that we might truly celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And I pray, Father, that if there are those here today who do not know personally what it means to trust in Jesus, that this will be the day that they would say, I'm willing to turn from my sin. I'm willing to trust that Jesus Christ dealt with my sin completely at the cross.
I receive him into my life today. If that's your prayer and that's your desire, then you come right now. Share that with us, please.